Hello, folks, and welcome to The Farm, a podcast dedicated to culture, parapolitics, and high weirdness in all its many forms. This is your host, Recluse, a.k.a. Steven Snyder, the longtime curator of the FISA blog and author of A Special Relationship, Trump Epstein, and The Secret History of the Anglo-American Establishment. If you like what you hear here today, be sure to check me out at visupview.blogspot.com. That's V-I-S-U-P-V-I-E-W, all one word, dot blogs spot all one word.com and procure a copy of that book and other works at the farm's official store which is at the farm store that is the farm podcast all one word dot store and please consider signing up for the farm's patreon we got a couple of different tiers but in the lowest one you get a minimum of two additional flank shows per month that's three and four hours of bonus materials uh with bonus material and exclusive guests and content if for tier you get your zoom party and a lot of other goodies so yeah definitely check that out folks all right i've got two guests for this show both of them repeaters joining us is one of the most controversial independent journalists active today fresh off of her courage of the shit show otherwise known as the johnny depp slash amber heard divorce hearings she is the co-founder of patriot soapbox where she is a regular contributor and radio host she has also appeared in the hbo docuseries q into the storm folks i give you guys the great radix verum Radix, thank you so much for dropping by again tonight, ma'am. Indeed. <laughs> and I bet you're delighted to not be talking about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard for a change. Yes, I don't have to talk about false allegations of um, very serious crimes, so that's great. And uh, we don't have to talk about somebody who is a drug-addled maniac. <laughs> well, actually, we kind of do, but we'll get to Well, that. we do, but... That's in a different You're context. not a celebrity, though. <laughs> exactly. Not a celebrity circus that is, you know, it was for some reason was happening in Fairfax County. Just wild stuff, you know. What are you going to do? I had to cover it. <laughs> All right. Also joining us is the farm's ultimate repeater. Folks, I give you guys John Brisson of We've Read the Documents. John Boyd, thank you so much for dropping back again this evening, sir. As always, long-time listener, first-time caller. Great to be here with the both of you guys. It's a pleasure and it's an honor, especially the topic that we're going to cover. John, have you uh, read it? Shit. Uh, no, oh, I don't no. think I ever. I don't think I ever have. Never, never. <laughs> I've never talked to her in my entire life. It's so nice to meet you. <laughs> you, you, you as you as well, Radix. It's so very nice. Uh, I've heard a lot of things like your QAnon and stuff that's pushed a lot on Twitter. You know, oh. by a whole bunch of uh, sketchy, sketchy people. Uh, I'm a little scared, a little frightened uh, that I that, that I'm interacting with you. It's gonna, it's you know, it's I'm being sheep dipped here. Uh, but you know, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm glad to both be here. You guys are excellent researchers and dear friends. So. Indeed. All right. So for today's show, I'm going to revisit a topic I explored in my blog around 2020, namely the bizarre rash of strange deaths that have rocked Fort Bragg in recent years. As of February 2020, over 80 troops reportedly died on or around Fort Bragg over the prior 18 months. That's a staggering amount of deaths, far surpassing those reported at other large, notorious bases such as Fort Hood. Further, it would arguably make Fort Bragg an even more dangerous spot for U.S. military personnel than many of the sites overseas presently. Clearly, something is amiss. Fort Bragg has a long history of strange murders, as we shall briefly address. 
It also happens to house many of America's elite special operations forces. Indeed, they originate from there, being the longtime headquarters of the Green Berets, otherwise uh, known as the Army Special Forces. Now, the Army Special Operations Command, which oversees the regular special forces, in addition to the Delta Force and virtually all of the Army's massive psychological warfare units. Further, Fort Bragg is also the home of the Joint Special Operations Commander, JSOC. JSOC controls all of America's most elite units, including the aforementioned Delta Force, SEAL Team 6, uh, the Mysterious Intelligence Support Activity, and corresponding units in the Air Force and so forth. They also have the Night Stalkers, yada, 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 and uh, frequently the Rangers. Anyway, a marginal force for years, JSOC rose to prominence during the Bush two uh, years, eventually coming to rival the CIA in deep state intrigues. Seriously, guys, nobody ever gets this right. Anyway, for those of you who recently listened to the fifth installment in the Farm's Secret History of International Fascism series, you will note some interesting parallels with apartheid South Africa and the modern American national security state. So during the waning years of apartheid, virtually the entire civilian national security set establishment was surpassed by the South African Defense Forces Special Forces. These elite troops were at the forefront of the various Bush Wars and uh, the other conflicts that were going on. And to manage this, they were given vast resources, including take, taking control of South Africa's chemical and biological warfare program. Everything from drug trafficking to artichoke slash MK ultra style mind control has been linked to the South African special forces. And now something similar seems to be happening with America's own elite forces. Confronted with an untenable military situation, South Africa attempted to create what were effectively super soldiers to turn the tide. The United States appears to have attempted something similar to fulfill our imperial commitment in the 21st century. And like apartheid South Africa, the end results appear to be a cesspool of crime and corruption preceding national collapse. <laughs> We're going to cover all this and more in this outing. So here we go. All right. So before we get into recent events unfolding at Fort Bragg proper, I wanted to revisit an incident from 1970 that seems curiously relevant today. It involved Jeffrey R. McDonald, a doctor who served with the Green Berets during the Vietnam era. In 1970, McDonald's entire family was murdered at Fort Bragg, including his pregnant wife, leaving the doctor as the only survivor. McDonald was later convicted of these crimes in 1979, but has steadfastly maintained his innocence. For years, allegations have circulated that the murders were related to a crime syndicate on the base involved in drug activity and possibly linked to a cult. So, Reddix, can you give us a little bit more on this incident, please? Yeah, the McDonald incident is super weird. Um, you know, he claimed uh, in his story that there it was a cult ritual murder that occurred and um his as far as i know his story never changed um but it's really sad uh and you know as far as i know there was some really weird stuff 
about that. Like, I don't know if this has ever been confirmed or not, but there were allegations of an exorcism that took place after this incident at Fort Bragg. Malachi Martin said that that occurred. So if it did, it just seems a little bit weird, right? Given the allegations of McDonald that he was not the one that carried out the crime and that there was a cult operating on the base uh, that that carried it out. Seems a little strange. Yeah, Joan, did you have anything to add to that? Yeah, so a couple of things to that. One, um, I have some personal knowledge of, of this case, and I've researched it a lot myself. Uh, for many years, I believe that Jeffrey McDonald was innocent. Um, there's numerous theories uh, of, of, of both his innocent or why he's been innocent. There's numerous books that have been written to the case uh, that he'd not murder his family. Of course, we have you know the possibility of the gang of hippies or whatever you want to uh, say that they were. That was with Helena Stokely that, that murdered his family instead of Jeffrey McDonald. Uh, many people here uh, where I live in Fayetteville, North Carolina and Cumberland County uh, thought at the time that Jeffrey McDonald was innocent. That's why he was accused uh, during his first the case was dropped against him uh, the first time here in, in the Cumberland County courtroom. Uh, and then later, you know, was tried again when he moved to, to uh, California. Uh, and so um, y- a lot of people thought that Jeffrey McDonald had stumbled upon uh, as a, uh, a, a, a emergency room doctor working both at Walmack Medical Hospital and Fort Bragg Base and Cape Fear Valley Hospital, which is going to come out a lot, come up a lot tonight, which is the hospital, the main hospital uh, in Cumberland County, the county that I lived in where Fayetteville and, and Fort Bragg uh, are, are located in Hope Mills. Um, he, uh, he, that, that he was discovering um, caskets full of drugs uh, that were coming back, you know, that were housing dead bodies of the soldiers uh, from the Vietnam War. Um, and, uh, he had stumbled upon that and that's why they are quote unquote trying to take him out, uh, because he had stumbled upon a, uh, a, a drug ring, uh, that was, that involved the upper echelons of the United States, uh, military. Um, I used to believe that I used to believe that Jeffrey McDonald was innocent. Um, my, actually, uh, one of my cousins, um, you know, I think my second or third cousin, direct cousin, my grandpa, uh, he was the, I've forgotten his name. He was the one lead reporter for the Federal Observer uh, investigating the uh, Jeffrey uh, McDonald case. Um, and uh, he believed that him himself was in it. So my grandfather was a pharmacist uh, who worked for Revco and actually helped uh, start the pharmacy at Kafer Valley uh, during the 1950s. Uh, and uh, he uh, actually used to fill prescriptions for Jeffrey McDonald uh, when McDonald would call in prescriptions as emergency room physician at Kafer Valley. So he, you know, he had interacted with McDonald and knew him quite well. And he himself uh, believed that McDonald was innocent. There were known hippies uh, who would congregate in uh, various er- areas of, of Fayetteville, North Carolina, uh, trying to uh, sell drugs, trying to uh, obtain drugs. My grandpa would talk a lot about how they would try to, to, to get drugs. Um, I, remember, God, I, can't, I wish I could remember exactly what drug he told me uh, that was legal, uh, that they were trying to obtain a lot uh, from the drugstores that was over the counter. I wish I could remember it offhand. Uh, but he said that, you know, that, that, that part rings true. Like they, yellow jackets or something like that. No, it was something it was, it was, it's by prescription now. Oh, I wish I could remember exactly what it was. Um, but, um, 
Uh, and so, you know, I, cause actually my grandpa told me that right before he died, uh, uh back in 2018, cause I happened to bring up Jeffrey McDonald's investigating. He's like, Oh yeah, I got a lot to say about that. You know? And he actually started, you know, talking stuff that I've never heard before. Uh, now through further research though, however, um, I no longer believe that Jeffrey McDonald was innocent. In fact, there are numerous rumors, a lot that I've been able to trace down and verify uh, uh, myself. And hopefully one day we'll be able to do a stream or write a book, Lord willing, if I'm ever able to get to it about Jeffrey McDonald, that actually I earnestly believe uh, that he was actually a part of some sort of MK Ultra program and drug testing program on soldiers uh, that was occurring on the Fort Bragg base. And I do believe that he did, in fact, um, uh, uh, you know, he didn't directly murder his family, but he used, uh, allegedly, uh, you know, uh, Helena Stokely and this group of, 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 uh, miscreants, uh, that were deemed, you know, like the hippies, uh, they were involvement of the murder of his family. So he could try to wipe his hands clean of it. Um, because he, uh, supposedly, allegedly, uh, was a known philanderer, among many other things, was quite sloppy. Uh, and so, of course, the military ended up railroading him and not really protecting him, even though he was involved with some sort of MKUltra uh, drug experimentation, of, allegedly, of, uh, of military uh, uh, members at, stationed at Fort Bragg. Uh, but he just became too too sloppy, and 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 you know he wanted to get rid of his family, uh, as heartbreaking as that may be, uh, so that he could continue with his uh, prayer derelictions. Um, but yeah, uh, that's something that I'm fleshing out. Something that I uh, believe uh, might be true. It's another look at the Jeffrey McDonald case, if it is true, uh, and if it is, it is horrific. So I have changed my opinion. I've gone from Jeffrey McDonald. I wholeheartedly believe that he was innocent to now I am not so sure. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, no, I can, you know, definitely say that tends to track with some of my own research as well. Um, you know, really the first attempt to set up what eventually became the Joint Special Operations Command was made by um, Edward Lansdale in the early 60s during the Kennedy years. And, um, through Lansdale, you know, they ended up looking at a lot of weird stuff through DARPA, um, like especially in terms of some of the counterinsurgency operations. There was a guy called William Goodell, uh, who was, I think, the number two guy at DARPA, um, who was actually reporting to Lansdale while he was basically the head of the special operations forces in the uh, DOD, uh, who was working with the behavioral science units. Um, with DARPA on some of this kind of stuff. And I mean, this was, you know, kind of at the origins of the, you know, what we'd later think of at the Cambridge Analytica kind of stuff, like psychographical huh. modeling and this kind of thing, which is what they were looking at all the way back then. But I mean, it's, it's really only the tip of the iceberg. I mean, obviously, um, by this point in time, you know, the late 60s, I mean, the Phoenix program was up and running. Um, the Green Berets had played a pretty significant part in all of that. Yeah. Uh, but also, and, you know, it's not really talked about very much, but um, you know, beginning, uh, you know, as soon as the uh, early 60s, we had really started to send a lot of Green Berets uh, into South America to start establishing counterinsurgency uh, programs uh, throughout Latin America. And this is, it's really important because, I mean, among other things, besides just simply training a lot of the, you know, soldiers, um, 
in these uh, Latin American com- countries, they were also there to cultivate ties with the military personnel and so forth. I mean, because this is how uh, the U.S. has generally manipulated uh, a lot of South Africa or South American and just in general developing nations is uh, cultivating the militaries there so that, you know, you have uh, people ready to launch coups when you need them to. So it's really fascinating that that might have been something that McDonald was involved in because, um, you know, by this point in time, the late 60s, I mean, the Green Berets were well on their way to effectively kind of setting up this like almost global counterinsurgency operation on the ground. Um, You know, I mean, it tends to be depicted like their uh, role was really diminished after, uh, you know, the late 60s in Vietnam, which it was, but I mean, they were really redeployed a lot in other parts of the world. And then, as uh, George and I have kind of gotten into again in the uh, the fifth installment, the international fascism series, you see, you know, even though it wasn't an official capacity, a lot of these guys also went to Southern Africa as well as like mercenaries and so forth to work with the militaries there. And again, they end up, you know, uh, people like Stephen Hatfield and some of those weird programs there. So in the broader context of like what was going on with the army special forces during this time. I mean, I, you know, I got to say, John, that definitely sounds like that dog will hunt in regards to McDonald. Yeah. I mean, do you think that they're the whole like a uh, cult aspect of some of this stuff, the, the time period sort of lines up with the so-called satanic panic. And I feel like some, some of the stuff that, they put out there was really like designed to discredit like really credible um allegations that and things that were going on and to make it look like it's something other than it was shall we say well yeah i mean i think you know you kind of see that in general i mean i think when a lot of these really just bizarre kind of scandals start to break i mean it's like the same thing with um you know, really, I mean, a lot of the pedophile uh, rings and stuff like that. I mean, you know, kind of going back in the late 80s, I mean, you know, you had the thing with Franklin breaking, which was at the time by far, I mean, the most credible of these scandals to really ever emerge. Um, And, you know, the sort of the broader ties to things like the Craig Spence ring and what have you, which would have made it, uh, you know, enough attention was uh, into this really difficult to keep covering it up. But I mean, at the same time, you know, this is when the monarch allegations also first to start uh, cropping up, which I think did a lot to discredit this kind of stuff back in the late 80s, early 90s. And again, I know a lot of people get upset when I say this, but, you know, I've looked at this for years and Monarch, it has a basis in reality, but there was no Monarch program. It did not exist. It's never mentioned in any official documents. It did not exist. And, you know, it was essentially the same thing I think that happened later, you know, in the uh, more recently when you had uh, Savile and Epstein come out and then on the heels of that, suddenly you get the whole thing with Pizzagate, which once again, you know, casts all of this kind of research in a dubious light after you've just had just hard damning evidence i mean of these kinds of uh blackmail rings existing in the elites that have been speculated upon for years you know coming out to the public so yeah there does seem to be you know i mean a similar modus operandi with like a lot of this kind of stuff and i mean just in general 
when you look at like the satanic panic from the 1980s i mean just the whole thing that it was based around the notion of like this almost cartoonish version of satanism is like a dead giveaway i mean first off like if you've really looked into the occult like no serious occultist takes satanism seriously because in their eyes it's a christian heresy why would they even want to fuck around with it you know there's a lot of other stuff that's seen as more powerful to deal with so yeah i mean but it's you know in light of a lot of the stuff that was going on in this era um and just some of the things that you know i mean one other program i should probably point out um that the navy had been investigating which was you know again up and running by the 70s was one that was known as pelican which was launched in 47 and uh, reports of this had started to come out in the mid 70s um one of the commanders, uh, a Navy commander at a hospital who was working at the Navy base hospital in San Diego. Um, oh gosh, I can't remember his name, but the commander was Thomas Narod. And he had basically come out and said that they had this almost clockwork orange type procedure that they were subjecting um, commandos, i.e. Navy SEALs to where they were, <clears throat> you know, as part of the screening process, uh, they were strapped into chairs and their eyes were clamped open and they were shown, you know, videos of children being murdered and stuff like that. Um, just really horrendous kind of stuff like that. Always part of this like conditioning process, I guess, for the uh, missions that they were thought to be pursuing. So, you know, again, this is a Navy program. Um, you know, uh, McDonald was in the army. I mean, but again, it's, it's not a stretch that they probably were doing something concurrent with army personnel. So, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, very, I mean, last thing I have to say on the McDonald case is that, um, uh, what's the address? Uh, eight Oh six, a Hay street, uh, was used to be my uncle's, one of my uncle's law offices many years ago. Um, and, uh, supposedly that was a house of which Helena Stokely had, uh, visited or stayed at, uh, before allegedly being involved in the Jeffrey McDonald murders with the, uh, four quote unquote so-called hippies. Uh, however, uh, to, to go back to what Radix was mentioning earlier about, you know, I have questions about Father Malachi Martin, okay, but I'm not going to get into him here, but, um, there were uh, so-called seances and so-called, um, uh, you know, uh, kind of occult practices that were occurring at this house when Helena Stokely was staying at it. Um, so that's another interesting aside to kind of bolster uh, what Radix uh, was saying earlier. Uh, and in regard to the satanic panic, um, you know, I've done numerous streams and research. Of course, I have with someone who's been on the forum, f- farm numerous times, which is, uh, you know, our good friend, George from capdev.org. Um, and, um, you know, you can look at the quote unquote satanic panic in two lights. One uh, was that, you know, you can uh, take out the supposed occultish uh, satanic elements out of, uh, new- of those numerous daycare cases, like you would have Russ- Rossi Chet's Witch Hunt Narrative a book, which is an excellent book, which is from a non-conspiratorial source at, um, uh, that, that lists uh, that numerous, uh, uh, these numerous um, uh, daycare and child abuse sex cases, yes. uh, a majority of the children were very sadly uh, uh, molested. And a lot of them were either uh, prosecuted correctly or not fully prosecuted enough as they should have been. That the whole, uh, the, uh, 
witch hunt narrative. Uh, the whole satanic panic narrative just based off of that part of loan uh, is completely uh, 100% uh, false. Um, and so uh, many of these children were sadly molested and it still goes on to this day and it's not reported as much as it once was because it's brushed under the uh, on, under the rug of oh that's just satanic panic it doesn't really happen yes. uh, so that 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 in of itself uh, now I do believe that there were cult pack practices going on there were rings going on uh, you see numerous these numerous uh, numerous of uh, these cases uh, there was involvement of the shooting and procuring of um, of, uh, of uh, child pornography, especially in the Glendale Monastery School case, uh, where, uh, where, um, where um, James Towered was convicted of molestation uh, uh, and, uh, you know, served his time uh, and, and, and he was correctly convicted uh, and uh, was even upheld by later psychiatrists uh, that deemed him a threat uh, to children and a pedophile, which is why he should still be remained in prison. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it was the, during the investigation and I have the investigative notes, uh, the, you know, there was a missing, uh, a video camera that his wife had gone to the bank and taken out and missing money and everything. Uh, so there was the shooting of child pornography that was in numerous, uh, occurrences of these, uh, of these cases, uh, that have been deemed the satanic panic. Uh, so, you know, I, 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 spent a good amount of my time when we read the documents to determine okay so uh, what people were uh falsely accused and what people were correctly accused or convicted uh and actually there wasn't enough people that that, that were convicted uh, that were involved in many of these cases and it's tragic how many children were actually molested and how many rings were going on at the time uh so i will push back against the witch hunt narrative uh, I will push back against the so-called framing of the satanic panic, and so would George. Uh, I myself am a Christian. Uh, George is not, uh, but George will still tell you that these things definitely do 100% exist. Uh, now, to monarch programming, yes, there's no official documents of monarch programming, uh, but I do believe that uh, training of, uh, of uh, sort of... Um, uh, victims, uh, 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 you, you see that in sex trafficking of even uh, fragmented uh, personalities, multiple personality disorder or borderline personality disorder that occurs in victims of sex trafficking uh, definitely occurs. Uh, so I'm pretty sure that it would occur uh, uh, in, in, in these uh, government institutionalized rings. Um, so, you know, again, I, I, I'm not necessarily saying that Kathy O'Brien is 100% accurate. I have my issues with Kathy O'Brien's story, obviously, and so does George from CavDev.org, and especially how uh, she goes about and pushing uh, Trump now that he's done no wrong, and Ilk and kind of came up and almost pushing Q narratives at this point. However, you know, there is some truth in what Kathy O'Brien put out to as well, and George would attest to this too. So, you know, I, I, I understand what Recluse is saying, and I agree yeah. with some of it somewhat. Uh, however, I do disagree with this some of it too. So... Another thing I have to point out as well in this is also the Army's massive uh, role in psychological warfare, which was very extensive by the early 60s. And they even had their own uh, research office. It was the Special Operations Research Office based out of America University uh, that was looking at a lot of this stuff and how to weaponize uh, belief systems against supposedly foreign populations. And uh, they did... Uh, adopt some very curious notions on this. Uh, this is from a book called Cold War Anthropology, the CIA, the Pentagon, and the Growth of Dual-Use Anthropology by David H. Price. Uh, and here, quote, 
several Soro projects envisioned using anthropology to control local populations in order to advance American military interests. James R. Price and Paul Juriansky's Soro report, quote, witchcraft, sorcery, magic, and other psychological phenomena and their implications on military and paramilitary operations in the Congo, fantasized about weaponizing ethnographic knowledge to manipulate native populations in absurd ways. The report drew on academic anthropology literature. Price and Jodaria examined claims that magic was, quote, effective in conditioning dissident elements and their followers to do battle with government troops. Rebel tribesmen are said to have persuaded that they can be made magically impervious to Congolese army firepower. Their fear of the government has thus been diminished, and conversely, fear of the rebels has grown within army ranks, end quote. So... Um, yes, the whole notion of weaponizing something like magic was definitely being looked at uh, as recently as the mid-1960s by the Army Psychological Warfare Officers. I mean, this was, again, like very much a thing. So, yeah, if they were interested in doing this against foreign populations, and there are certainly actual real-world examples of this. I mean, again, Edward Lansdale and his operations in the Philippines. Um, you know, again, this is where uh, insurgents were captured, they were drained of blood, and they were hung up on trees to mimic vampire attacks, essentially to spook um, the indigenous populations. Uh, during Vietnam, there was Operation Wandering Souls, uh, where <clears throat> the helicopters were going around with speakers in them and uh, uh, broadcasting voices that were supposed to sound like disembodied spirits and that kind of thing as well. So there was a lot of this kind of stuff being used uh, both in the field and a lot of research being done on it uh, by the military and specifically within a lot of the ranks of uh, the special operations community in terms of both the operators and the psychological warfare officers. So, um, you know, again, I don't think as I should probably clarify that the notion that occultism would be used by the military forces of the CIA is being absurd. Uh, I'm just pointing out the notion of Satanism is more something that's, I think, used to poke at Christian fundamentalists, to be honest. Sorry, John. But um, uh, I don't think that that's necessarily, though, what I mean, really high-end occultists are like looking at when they no, really I mean, I mean, people. <laughs> I mean, Stephen, I politely disagree with you on that. Um, you know, I, I mean, we know that um, Aquino was involved uh in in the practices that you were just mentioned or alleged that he set. was yeah. uh with uh with wandering souls um and 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 i understand that they do weaponize it do not get me wrong but to say it's all weaponized as a blanket statement though i disagree with that i do think it occurs separate from any wep weaponization that that goes on so well, yeah, again, I'm not suggesting that there isn't a use of this kind of stuff within possibly the services. I don't know if it would ever have been in like an official capacity or anything like that. But I mean, yeah, I mean, when you look at something like the Temple of Set, especially, you know, in the context of some of the other things that they were doing, such as experimenting with, um, you know, psychotronic devices and what have you and your members, well, 
Yeah, I mean, it seems rather obvious that this was, you know, I mean, a practical experimentation with a lot of this kind of stuff. I mean, really, most of the psychotronic stuff in and of itself, I mean, came out of ritual magic, if we're being perfectly honest about this. I mean, yes. You know, uh, the American. Agreed. That's true. Amwork and I mean, all these kinds of groups are doing it well before the security services got involved with it. So, I mean, again, I'm not. I'm not disputing that. I just think, though, that, I mean, the reality of, like, what was actually done versus the sort of conspiratorial view of it was very different. You know, another interesting thing um, is the Order of Nine Angles and their sort of connection that we now know to the federal government, right? Um, that the FBI was funding, like, Martinet Press to publish, like, white supremacist, uh, occult, like, satanic um, pro pedophilia literature. And there are, um, I don't know how familiar you guys are with ONIA, but there have been pictures posted on military yeah. bases of people who are very clearly in the military holding iron gates and, you know, uh, holding like ritual daggers and stuff, literally taken on military bases. So you have to kind of wonder, like, what's going on with that? Um, it's kind of strange, right? And there was um, uh, a guy who was, you know, in the military that was arrested for supposedly plotting like a terror attack on his own group of people. And he was, you know, supposed to be, I don't know if they say tied to O9A or Adam Waffen, but one of these groups that, let's be honest, are all, you know, tied to the federal government in some way. So there's something really strange about that. And it seems like there is an overlay of people in the military that are sort of like involved in that kind of weird shit. I don't know if it appeals to them for a particular reason or if it's part of you know, they're helping the federal government put out propaganda to radicalize and recruit people. It just seems very odd to me that like those pictures would be taken and posted on social media, like from a military base and like no one did anything about it. Nobody got fired. No one got in trouble. It's a little bit weird, right? Like that book talks about like calling people. So like calling for ritual mass murder um in addition to uh sexual assault and um child rape and it was the fbi funding the publishing of those books so it is really weird you know it seems like they kind of use the trappings of like occultism to you know bring like these young kids into their into their clutches you know well i mean yeah. i i mean i think for a time now especially within sort of the special operations community there's been sort of a cultivation of some of these groups i mean you know it sort of yeah. plays into this sort of i think templar like atmosphere that they were going with this you know you needed this sort of like almost mystery school you know mithraic i mean type thing component to it i think in a certain sense again this isn't something that uh, you know, I mean, I think they would ever obviously do in like official capacity. But I mean, yeah, when you sort of look, because again, with the um, the Order of Nine Angles, I mean, the one guy who's I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but um, 
the one who's generally assumed to have been the main guy who came up with the ideology. I mean, he was a British guy who had been involved in the um, uh, the UK's component of the stay behinds there, where he surely would have been working with the SAS. And, and he later was- supposedly converted to to Islam. Oh, I had William Ramsey. I did a lot of research on the o- ONA. I know you've done a lot of research too, Radix. Uh, oh, man, who? Oh, I can't think of the guy's name. Who was the British guy that... Um, uh, oh my god. Uh, uh, Mayat Mayat uh, I can't remember his first name though. Oh David, David yeah. David, David Mayat. Yeah, is that who you're discussing recluse? Yeah, 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 yeah. Cuz I mean he had I think he had actually been involved with the Gladio stuff like in the early yes. 70s before he had even gotten really full into the order of nine angles stuff. So I mean, this is kind of like what I'm getting at. I mean, I do think that, I mean, you know, on the side, they do sort of cultivate, you know, these uh, almost militant groups like the Temple of Set and the Order of Nine Angles <clears throat> to kind of instill this like warrior mythos and components of the special operations forces. But I mean, I don't know, though, that this would ever be something that you would do at like an official capacity, though. It's more of a uh, wink nod, I would speculate, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I don't want to get us to stream for other sidetracking. We yes. already have. we're in the weeds. <laughs> all right, all right. No, no, I'm sure this has been an interesting discussion though there for a lot of people. So, but um, all right. So getting back to Fort Bragg, it was rocked by two off-base murders in 1995 that generated a lot of controversy at the time. And an African-American couple was murdered by members of the 82nd Airborne. It was later revealed that they had links to white supremacists, as did other, as did other troops stationed at Fort Bragg during this era. I believe what's his name, Wade Michael Page, was also uh, at Fort Bragg during this time as well. Of course, he later went on to shoot up the Sikh Temple uh, in 2012. Uh, so that was another uh, kind of component of all this as well. Uh, but anyway, uh, can you give us a little bit more about the, uh, the murders in 95, John? Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, I, I was 10 uh, when this happened. Uh, but I, I do remember it uh, being in the news. Uh, and I discuss it with um, uh, uh, my wife's family uh, to see if they remembered it. Um, and my, uh, my, my father-in-law did. Uh, so um, Michael James, who's 36, and Jackie Burden, who's 27, who were both born and raised in Fayetteville, North Carolina, like me, were murdered execution style early on December 7, 1995, on Hall Street in Fayetteville. Now, I know where Hall Street is. Uh, it's kind of close to downtown Fayetteville. Uh, it's a very much an off-road. Uh, uh, it's off of Gillespie Street. Uh, so it's kind of like a, a, a back side road. It's not on the main strip of downtown Fayetteville by any stretch of the imagination, which they've uh, gentrified uh, downtown Fayetteville now, where it's, it's pretty much uh, uh, kind of like a, a very hip and uh, kind of a, a trendy place to go. I don't go to it because I'm not a hip and trendy person. I'm kind of a blah, boring person. Uh, but they even actually have a, a, a funny enough, a, a magic store. <laughs> In downtown Fayetteville now, uh, but you know, so I um I you know I, but but back in the day, especially during the seventies, uh, in the sixties, um, you know, downtown Fayetteville was rife of bars, and even up in, up into the nineties was rife of bars and uh, 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 strip clubs, um, and so it was kind of like a seedy area, uh, even though they cleaned it up some now, but Hall Street's kind of like very much like off to the side. Uh, it would be considered to be a very low-income area. Uh, so um, uh, during during this time, 
Um, uh, I, I guess I would say that uh, Jackie Burden uh, uh, tragically uh, died uh, on at Hall Street uh, uh, when uh, she was gunned down execution style. Uh, but Michael James was able to survive, but however, died four hours later at Caper Valley Hospital uh, when they were trying to uh, save his life. Um, so uh, there was a second airborne Air, Air Army sergeant from Illinois. Uh, whose name was Randy Lee Meadows, and he would return to the scene of the crime. He'd return to Hall Street. It was kind of just frequently, um, um, you know, just being there, walking the perimeter, and and and, and he was like kind of uh, kind of like this young military crew cut white kid, right? So what is he doing on a very low income area? So the federal cops started noticing, wait a minute, this doesn't add up here. Uh, so they started to, um, you know, ask him questions, and then he started to actually spill the beans on exactly what happened you know the cops mentioned that he felt very much remorse uh for his actions um and so he was the driver of uh two other uh gentlemen um which was Jorn, james norman uh beermeister the second who was 20 years old he was an army private for the second airborne he was paratrooper and malcolm wright who's 21 who was also an uh, army private for the 82nd airborne and was a paratrooper and they all were uh supposedly going around to hunt for uh black uh victims um and uh and so they had came upon um the uh they came upon uh james and burden um uh, on hall street uh very early in the morning on december 7th and uh and uh decided to enact um horrific crime against them by executing them execution style uh just based on off of their race um and uh and so um i'm gonna read uh some uh interesting uh, uh you know uh, news clips that i got from local newspapers and some national uh, uh about uh, what had occurred uh but briefly one last thing i'll say is is that um uh randy james and malcolm were arrested on december 8th which was the next day 1995 uh, James and Malcolm were both charged with two counts of first-degree murder, and Randy was charged with two counts of conspiracy to commit murder as the driver. Uh, uh, James would uh, uh, later uh, be convicted of two counts of first-degree murder uh, uh, and conspiracy to commit murder at the Cumberland County Courthouse in uh, February uh, 28, uh, 1997. It would take two years. Uh, they s sought the death penalty for him. Uh, but the death penalty was not given. Instead, life in prison was given to him. Uh, and the same uh, for um, uh, uh, Malcolm Wright. Uh, he was also convicted of two counts of first-degree murder uh, uh, as well as conspiracy to commit murder on May 2nd, uh, 1997, uh, and was not given uh, uh, the death penalty, but was instead given life in prison. Uh, and as well as um, uh, Randy Lee Meadows, the driver, uh, was convicted uh, too as well, uh, but I don't think, if I remember correctly, that he received a life sentence uh, for the uh, brutal, horrific crimes uh, that he had helped to commit. Granted, he did, unlike the other two, uh, uh, express a deep remorse uh, uh, for his actions. Um, so here's a couple of things. Uh, let me bring it up here. Um, one thing that was noticed. One thing that was noted. Um, 
was that uh, Burmeister and Wright uh, were arrested in a, in a trailer of police found a nine millimeter a semi-automatic pistol uh, that was used in execution style murders, uh, white supremacist pamphlets, a Nazi flag, Hitler pamphlets, and a magazine called Resistance. Now, Resistance was a magazine that was put out by Resistance Records, Resistance LLC. I was uh, closely connected to uh, the National Alliance. And of course, uh, Resistance LLC uh, would later be sell or resistance records. Should I say would later be sold in 1998 to Willis Carto, the Liberty Lobby. Um, so uh, that's an interesting uh, connection there of the propaganda that was found, white nationalist propaganda that was found um, uh, in in uh, their their possession. Um, so let's see here. Uh, you mentioned that uh, one thing you mentioned were close that the army uh, conducted a worldwide inquiry into racism uh, that was uh, in its ranks. However, the military found little evidence of so-called organized racist activity. Uh, very interestingly enough, it is well known around here uh, that there are numerous uh, nationalist groups, whether it be white nationalist, black nationalist, Latino nationalist, uh, that had infiltrated uh, the United States military as long as well as also numerous uh, gangs. Um, as well, have that have infiltrated the United States military. Uh, it's well aware here at Fort Bragg that that is the case. It is not a hidden secret living here in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Uh, so to sit here and say that there is uh, little evidence of organized racist activity uh, within the United States military uh, of, of, of different nationalities and races is just ludicrous. It's just, it's just, it's just cover up. Um, so uh, that's one thing that I want to be made known uh, uh, from uh, that so-called um, uh, report. Uh, so Mr. Meadows, uh, he had testified um, that he had dinner with uh, Burmeister and Wright on December 7, 1995, the night of the killings. Uh, before dinner, uh, Meadows said that the three discussed uh, Mr. Wright's spider web tattoo. Uh, Mr. Meadows testified that Mr. Wright said in certain skinhead groups, such a tattoo was proof that the wearer had killed a black person. After dinner, dinner Mr. Meadows said the three drove around and drank a lot of beer. And Mr. Burmeister, who had his 9mm Ruger pistol with him, said he might earn his spider web tattoo that night. The three eventually ended up in a predominantly black working class neighborhood. Uh, Mr. Meadows said, looking for a dimly lit place where they could harass black people, which is true. That's where the area there is. It is a very dimly lit, low economic, you know, you know, uh, predominantly black area of, of, of Fayetteville. Uh, so they, you know, scouted out. I mean, this was definitely a premeditated murder. Uh, because of the area that they chose to do so. Um, there's no doubt about it of me being around here, living here, know that to be true. Um, and so Mr. Meadows said Mr. Wright identified two potential victims. Then Mr. Burmeister and Mr. Wright got out of the car. Mr. Meadows testified, telling him to remain and wait for them. When Mr. Meadows heard gunshots, he got out of the car to look for his friends. He testified. After the police arrived, he approached uh, them near the bodies of Mr. James and Miss, Miss Burden, both of whom have been shot in the head. Ms. Burden had, had also been shot in the back. Mr. Burmeister and Mr. Wright were not at the scene. Mr. Meadows led the authorities to a trailer where Mr. Burmeister and Mr. Wright were sleeping. A search of the two-bedroom trailer in which Mr. Burmeister rented a room with a white supremacist literature, a bomb-making manual, pamphlets on Adolf Hitler and Nazi Germany, and magazines for survivalists and members of paramilitary groups. Some of the, this material turned out to be Mr. Burmeister's according to the evidence of trial. The search also produced Mr. Burmeister's pistol, which was identified uh, by the North Carolina Bureau of Investigation as a weapon that killed Mr. James and, and Ms. Burden. 
Uh, no fingerprints were found on the gun, but Mr. Meadows testified that Wine Jill, Mr. Burmeister, told him that he had killed Miss James, Mr. James and Miss Burden. Now, we'll say this. Researching this case and all we know of people uh, being set up in shootings and killings, uh, sometimes uh, being set up by uh, federal authorities for uh, those uh, things to happen. I did find it quite interesting that they found no fingerprints at the gun and they were not witnessed to be at the scene of the crime. Now, do uh, granted through, you know, a lot of evidence, it, it does appear that they definitely were guilty and they definitely found the right people. Um, there's not there's scarce evidence of them being handled to commit some crime. Uh, but, you know, I'm not saying that it may or may or not have been there. Uh, but, you know, I do believe, though, however, that, you know, what rights and Burmeister definitely were radicalized and were white nationalists, though. Uh, there's enough evidence while reading the uh, newspaper accounts uh, to make uh, through statements of people that knew them and statements of people around them and stuff like that and everything. Uh, some of those cases, it could be a little bit muddy, especially the recent shooting in Buffalo that we discussed, uh, Stephen, uh, on your channel. However, on this so much, not not not, not so much. <laughs> OK, uh, so this is one thing I want to make. The prosecution also called Kelly Cook Kelly, Mr. Burmeister's former girlfriend, who told the jury that in early 1995, he had involved in skinhead activities, displaying a Nazi flag in his barracks, listening to songs like Third Reich, a white power anthem with lyrics about murdering black people and Jewish people. Uh, prosecutors introduced a photograph of Mr. Burmeister and others making the Nazi salute in front of a Nazi flag. In his closing argument, the prosecutor, Mr. Granis, said it was almost beyond the imagination how American soldiers could keep Nazi flags in their rooms and salute Adolf Hitler. Mr. Burmeister's division, the 82nd Airborne, distinguished itself in World War II by fighting German troops in the Allied of Asia and Normandy on many battlefields in France and Germany. Um, Mrs. James, who had three children with her husband, Michael, told reporters after the verdict, the kids don't understand how do they explain to my children how their father was murdered for the color of his skin. Uh, and, you know, one thing that was mentioned uh, about the two victims was that they did have a troubled past um, and that they did like to live dangerously. But, you know, it did appear for all intents and purposes uh, that they were trying to earnestly, um, you know, get their life back together. And it's very tragic uh, with them having family, with them having kids, uh, that they were murdered execution style. Um, it, you know, if it wasn't done by Burma, you know, by this group of three people, which I think that it was, uh, it's still uh, tragic and horrific nonetheless. So. And, there, and there, of course, one last thing I forgot to mention, too, uh, recluse is, is uh, in the. Um, in the uh, dis, uh, investigation that was done, uh, the National Investigation of Race Activity in the Military, uh, 22 people, including Wright, James, uh, Burmeister, and Randy Meadows, uh, were, were, were discharged from the United States military for being racist. Uh, I think it was a little too late for the perpetrators of the crime, um, which they were convicted of. Uh, so, you know, it's quite tragic that Michael James and Jackie Burden uh lost their life and were executed it's horrendous execution style uh, uh by supposedly and likely uh, um uh, these uh, three gentlemen yeah it's also um i also wanted to kind of go in a little bit here to wade michael page as well because he was uh stationed at fort bragg i think between 93 and 98 um uh, when all this was unfolding, of course, he went on to shoot up a sick temple in um, Oak Creek, Wisconsin in 2012 uh, that resulted in six deaths. 
Um, <clears throat> it was interesting because he was also a white supremacist who was involved in the, uh, you know, white power music scene and that kind of thing. He was discharged from the army in 98 due to some unspecified patterns of misconduct. So he might've been purged as part of that, uh, that process you were talking about. Interestingly, he uh, ended up in Littleton, Colorado, which is a suburb of Denver for a couple of years before relocating out there to the, um, <clears throat> the Milwaukee area. Of course, if you listen to any of my podcast with uh, Vincent Trewell or the most recent ones I did with the subliminal Jihad guys, you guys know that uh, Wisconsin sees a lot of weird stuff and especially that kind of area in southern Wisconsin. Um, well, there's two regions. Part of, some of it is in the west coast, like around La Crosse and uh, Baraboo in the western side of the state. And then on the eastern side of the state around Milwaukee and the southern parts and you know, Walworth County and those kinds of places. Uh, a lot of weird stuff goes on there. Um, Walworth County specifically was um, allegedly a wash and a cult activity uh, during the 1980s. In fact, I've heard a claim that there were the third most report of uh, cult activity in Walworth County than anywhere in the United States in the 1980s. There was apparently just all kinds of um, dead and mutilated animal bodies and what have you that were uh, being found continuously around there. And of course, later, this is where the whole you know, kind of flap with the Beast of Brave Road and the Wisconsin Goatman and a lot of this other stuff kind of broke out there as well. Um, anyway, uh, Oak Creek is a little north of Walworth, but um, yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting place. There's um, a lot of very strange stuff there. The creators of D&D &D were actually based out of Walworth County as well. Yes, Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, <laughs> there was the uh, recording studio that was uh, set up in a resort owned by Hugh Hefner there in Lake Geneva that had uh, Ministry and Nine Inch Nails and a lot of like industrial bands based on wax tracks there. So... Uh, Paige got there after the studio had shut down, but it's it's really interesting that he kind of ended up in that area, and that's where he uh, went on the shooting spree. There's just there's a lot of weird stuff that goes on there. Uh, so yeah, it's curious. He was a part of this whole milieu uh, at Fort Bragg, and then uh, would end up there and go on a, his own shooting rampage about 15 or so years later. Can I mention another incident real quick? Sure. Um, so there's an excellent Italian restaurant. Have you ever come to Fayetteville? It's a scratch kitchen. You would actually love it. I would take both of y'all there. It's called Luigi's. Um, I actually eat there every so often and, and I, you know, they, they cook an excellent risotto actually, uh, recluse. It's very, very good cooked food. It's probably the, some of the best food that you're actually going to get here. Um, in, in Fayetteville, North Carolina, uh, cause we're pretty much in a food desert, but that's another discussion. Uh, so, uh, however, though, uh, a lot of, I actually, uh, was quite young when this happened, but, um, there, you know, my family used to talk about this a lot, uh, because they, my, 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 my family knew, uh, who, uh, who died in the shooting and I'll get to that. So on, on August 6, 1993, a 22 year old Fort Bragg soldier, a Kenneth junior French armed with two shotguns and a rifle opened fire inside of Luigi's restaurant, Fayetteville, North Carolina, killing four people and injuring seven others. Uh, he ran in and, and just started yelling that bill clinton's gonna pay for lifting the ban on get homosexuals in the military and just started just gunning down patrons what the hell yeah and That's he killed so random and he killed pete paris and ethel paris who were the restaurant they were the owners 
of 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 Luigi's. They were very prominent in the Greek Orthodox community uh, in, in, in Fayetteville, um, and they're they're very well known in in, in the area. Uh, so first, you know, the cops are trying to find out. Well, this is is this motivated by something, or you know, is it, or you know, but no, there was there's just no there's just no. It was right when the, it was around. I think it was like 9.30, 10 p.m. You know, French showed up uh, wearing a shorts and a fishing vest and a pump action shotgun and just went in and just started yelling and killing people. It reeks of it's mind crazy. control to me. It reeks of mind control. It seems really weird. Like so, so fucking random. But, you know, and but it, I, you know, I eat. I I I I eat it, Luigi's. I ate there last week, you know. And, you, and you're sitting here, and you're thinking, you know, you're eating your food. And you're like, man, people die here. I mean, it's, it's I hate to laugh because it's so grim, you know. It's so horrible, you know. But it's just a uh, stuff like that. Just some of it is soldiers having PTSD, and you know they don't do enough for our veterans, and they come home, and all the medications that they give them, and. You know, you have uh, Leviquin psychosis and hydroxychloroquine psychosis and and uh, and uh, um, and um, parastagamine, the cause of Gulf War syndrome issues and psychosis that come from that. And, you know, and a lot of the trauma that these soldiers are from and whether or not they're running experiments on them or not, you know, they come home. And I mean, I can't tell you guys how many times there are murder suicides of military members here in Fayetteville, North Carolina, where they just kill themselves and they kill their families. It happens at least once a year, at least, if not more times a year. Jeez. And a lot of them are special Crazy. operations. A lot of them are Green Berets. So, mm. it, I mean, it, it's just, it's, and a, and a lot of it is just not talked about. I mean, this was a mass shooting. Have you guys ever heard of it? Nope. And it was just sweeped under the rug. Everybody here, Fevel, knows about it. But as far as nationally, mm. yeah, no, that's fascinating, man. <clears throat> All right, let's let's get uh, into the rash of deaths that have uh, recently brought the base back into focus somewhat until the uh, the cover up started to go back into effect. Uh, Zeratix, can you give us a rundown of the murders, please? Yes. Uh, so, well deaths shall we say yes um, yes let's... okay so let's just start with the broad overview of the deaths there have been i think 80 of them just in the uh, since 2020 alone 44 of those deaths taking place in 2020 so that is in itself really crazy um, when you look at some of the details of like the, the deaths, they're, they're bizarre. There is not a lot of information uh, available. Some of it's there. What we're told is there is a lot of gang activity. Um, if that's true, isn't this something that they're aware it, it, of? It, 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 it is true. It is. Okay. I can say that it is true, but it ain't all gangs. Yeah. All right. And then the uh, drug related, there seems to be some kind of drug trafficking operations being run out of uh, Fort Bragg. You know, I know Fort Bragg is referred to as like the covert military of the military. So I kind of wonder if some of the um, drug trafficking or illicit drug operations going on there are somehow, you know, tied to getting funding for maybe black operations. I really don't know. 
But when you look at some of these deaths, um, it seems like a lot of these Green Berets and Delta Force people are hopped up on drugs and a lot of drugs. And it's it's very strange. Psychiatric drugs and illicit drugs. Yeah, it's so you have suicides, you have people. uh, This is, again, the story coming from Fort Bragg, people being found in uh, soldiers being found dead in their barracks, literally decomposing. I don't even know how that's possible. Not being reported, but being covered up allegedly by the federal police department. Soldiers being found beheaded in the uh, uh, um, what do you call those? Uh, it's like a trash container dumpsters uh, at Cape yeah. Ver- at Cross Creek Valley Mall. How so... is this? Yeah, it's so. How is this stuff happening? Right, uh, a soldier uh, murdering, I believe, his pregnant wife. Um, there. And then there's a lot of other stuff, which I know we'll get into, but, um, you know, one of these, uh, deaths was a, um, a green beret gentleman in the back of a vehicle, the vehicle had been shot out. There were two other dead men on the ground beside the truck. And it looked like some kind of shootout had happened. Um, you've got shell casings, you have one survivor of that, um, incident so that has happened right and it seems like there's some what was this a turf war on a military base with like a rival gangs or something uh and it's sort of like they it's very hush hush they don't talk about it um you know then there is um another i think that you know we eventually wanted to get into this gentleman um but the the guy who was went out on like a I don't know if you want to call it a camping trip with six other um, Navy SEALs and uh, was beheaded uh, in a very gruesome manner. And I think they only found his head. Um, A lot of the headings going down here are soldiers. And it's been going on for decades. Decades. And they don't report it and they cover it up. And it's just hush hush and whispers. And and, and it's true. Yeah. How is this happening? You know, um, and with, with it not being like talked about, like we just have soldiers being beheaded and, you know, recluse said, um, in his introduction to this, that it, it, the death toll makes for brag more dangerous than a literal war zone in a foreign country. You're more likely to die at Fort Bragg than you are uh, in a someplace like um, you're more likely to drive Fort Bragg than Murkison Road, which is the roughest part of Fayetteville, North Carolina. So you're more likely to die at Fort Bragg than you are on the Merck. Right, exactly. And, you know, it's really interesting because we had a congressional investigation into Fort Hood for its like toxic culture and uh, 28 soldiers had died in 2020 there. So you get a congressional investigation um, at, at Fort Hood, but nothing at Fort Bragg, and you have even more deaths, and they're even weirder. So it just seems like there's something really weird. Like, you know, I guess sex, people sex don't trafficking, want... sex, sex trafficking rings like Fort Hood, right. and also here in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Oh, we're yes. right off of I 95. Radix and Recluse, right off of I 95, a central hub of human trafficking. And it's, it's going crazy. on right here. So I'll read just a little bit from an article that I um, published about the uh, weird, bizarre deaths um, at Fort Bragg. Quote, 
The deaths began in January 2020 when a 19-year-old Texan's body was discovered in his bunk in an advanced state of decomposition. The Army has not disclosed the cause, and one year later, the investigation remains ongoing. So here's my question. You're in a bunk in a large army barracks, how does somebody die, a 19-year-old man, how does he die in his bunk and then his body's decaying? It gets to the point of an advanced state of decomposition. No one notices this. You don't see and smell the dead body that is rotting right next to you. There's something really weird about that. Um, and again, nothing. The oh, we're investigating, but then you hear nothing from it. A year goes by, it gets swept under the rug. As John says, it's just nope, nothing to see here. The same is true in the case of a young Ohioan, a Green Beret candidate who in March was found quote unquote unresponsive in his barracks. In late May, a 21-year-old enlisted man from California was killed, beheaded, while on a camping trip with six of his fellow paratroopers. Now, now I could talk about that. Now, that's yeah. Enrique Martinez. Martinez. Roman Martinez. Uh, what? His severed head washes up on the shore a week later? Yes. Like, what is going Then we had... Um, Another soldier, a 24-year-old, discovered unresponsive in his bunk, and they just give no other details on that. And then by the end of the year, there had been 21 suicides at Fort Bragg. This is by the end of the year 2020, more than any other U.S. military post. That's insane. And then there was a 31-year-old combat medic uh, assigned to special forces, Keith Lewis, who shot and killed his pregnant wife, Sarah Lewis, an Air Force veteran that was literally nine months pregnant and due to give birth at any moment. And so it's just, there's something really weird about that. Um, yeah, very strange. Um, but getting into uh, en Enrique uh, Roman Martinez, he went missing on this um, camping trip with his fellow paratroopers. And uh, I think they said they found his head like decapitated. Um, it had been washed up on shore with multiple injuries. He had like a broken jaw, lacerations, fractures of his cervical spine. And clearly this was not stuff that happened like in the water or something it was obviously about martinez right a homicide yes yeah martinez like he also they didn't find his glass his glasses were left behind but he can't see without his glasses and like like he was found on the uh, uh, on the outer banks uh north of wilmington i think it was a uh, shackle uh, near atlantic beach actually yes. and so you know, imagine you're out with your family, you're at the Outer Banks, you know, and then all of a sudden a severed head washes up on the shore, right? It's yeah. just, to me, it's just from being here and knowing these places, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's crazy. It, it, how, right. his, his head washes up on the banks of, uh, near, granted it was near the campsite in the general area, but in the, from the ocean. For, what's with all these beheadings what is going on what yeah what is with all the beheadings it's super strange um and so the the uh, murders and suicides were the official numbers that were given 
they have not disclosed the deaths that they claim are from accidents, illnesses that would include drug overdoses. And they say, oh, you know, we have a big problem here with illegal drug use that seems to be a common thread of the homicides that have been occurring. So it's like, okay, if you know that that's a problem, what is being done about it? But the one of the uh, spokespeople for Fort Bragg said, oh, well, gee, these killings pertain to special forces units at Fort Bragg, and we can't speak for that. They said that things that happen with special forces are outside the purview of the Fort Bragg command. That seems so, about right. What? How is that possible? And, and look, I'm not saying that some of these things may or not be gang related or drug related. But I mean, come on, when you look into to, to, to Martinez's death, Roman Martinez's death, you know, mm -hmm. look, I don't think he was dealing drugs and it was a drug deal gone wrong. And he got beheaded on a beach trip to National Park with his right? fellow soldiers. OK, no, it, it just don't different. pass the sniff test. Yeah, it seems like something else is going on. I mean the beheading aspect to that it's i mean you could kind of say that that's ritual in nature you know it's not a common method of killing somebody and roman martinez had no drugs in his system and when his family said he didn't take drugs his friends said he didn't take drugs when you when you look at him in pictures he doesn't look like he's a drug addict right. he just looks like an average 21 year old soldier just an average dude you know Duncan. he kind of looks yeah, so I really drugs, really? That's what they're really awesome. A whole bunch of drugs. Well, that's the case. You got a drug problem in the military, which they've always had. Yeah, they've always had that. That's true. Um, and the the gang thing again, like I how common are gang hits that involve like beheadings? It just seems very strange to me. And uh of course, you know, the uh it, it all gets swept under the rug. You know, and, and they come up with a story for, you know, I think they charged one guy for this or something like a year later, but it's still, it doesn't make sense. Like there's no, there's no explanation for it really. Yeah. I mean, one decapitation is strange enough, but I mean, you have multiple ones, at the same base. I mean, that, I mean, that definitely is indicative of some kind of cult, possibly, I mean, within the ranks or something like that, which, you know, would be something you would think that there would be some real concern about. Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, that's what I was going to ask you, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Or I, I don't know if this is true, but people have said, you know, with these special forces groups. Um, that sometimes they have them do cold killings to become a full-fledged operator. And it makes you wonder, like, okay, um, are these beheadings part of something like that? Like I don't an know. initiation ritual or something. Yes, yes, exactly. And, um, well, I mean, another strange thing I've got to point out with the beheadings, too, is the whole thing with Apocalypse Now. I just uh, did a show with uh, the great Christopher Knowles, The Secret Son, on that. But um, uh, certainly when you get to the end part, uh, for those of you unfamiliar with it, it uh, revolves around a soldier named Willard, uh, who's himself a Green Beret, who's sent up river uh, into Cambodia to assassinate another Green Beret, a Colonel Kurtz, who 
theoretically has gone outside of uh, the military's command and uh, has set up his own compound in uh, Cambodia where he's theoretically fighting an illicit war or something like that. But um, when Willard gets up there, I mean, it's basically become a full-blown cult compound and uh, Kurtz um, has thoroughly embraced decapitation. I mean, there's severed heads everywhere all over the place. Uh, and he has multiple people beheaded there. And then, of course, uh, ironically, uh, Willard and his sort of uh, role of uh, fulfilling the killing of the Divine King ritual ends up beheading Kurtz himself at the end of the film. Um, so yes. I, again, I, I don't know, but again, we all know that Apocalypse Now is very po popular in uh, military circles because of the Colonel Kilgore character. Uh, so I also am like wondering somewhat if maybe somebody uh, watched that movie too many times and really thought it might be a groovy idea to try to do what Kurtz was doing in real life or something like that. But it is interesting how there is this sort of strange parallel with Apocalypse Now and this, you know, kind of brash uh, severed heads and what have you, too, at Fort Bragg. And, and all of a right. sudden, it came out in the news media when all this stuff was going on. There's numerous reports of illicit drugs and it's, it's the cause, like, you know, Radix was talking about it. So, so there was a thing that came out in the local newspaper, uh, local media. Fort Bragg sees a 100% increase in drug related crime on installation. Okay, look, look, okay. Um, the military, you know, I'm not, you know, call, casting out any uh, negative, you know, negative aspersions against people who have served. But I'll say this uh, there's a lot of crime around military bases drugs, sex, you know, uh, gambling, uh, violence. Uh, Fort Bragg is, is no different to uh, um, having its fair share of these uh, vices, um, sins. Um, it's bullcrap now for them to all of a sudden come out and now say all these things are caused by a drug problem at Fort Bragg. I'm not saying that it isn't a problem and I ain't saying it's right. going on. It is. But for now, for them all of a sudden to act like they care about this is ludicrous they don't the top brass do not give a flying crap but how much drug trafficking that has been done by the military and by you know certain you know clandestine groups like the central intelligence agency for example they just they don't care so for them to see this as the primary reason and in, in local media stories is 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 beyond ludicrous to me I don't know how you guys feel, but being someone from being from here, uh, it's the truth. So, oh yeah, no, it just seemed ridiculous to try to suddenly chalk all of this up to you know, drugs or some kind of like gang-related stuff. Um, yeah, I think it's trying to deflect blame from broader issues. I mean, with what's going on with the troops, uh, but we'll get to that here in a moment. Um, uh, let's see. So uh, in addition to this staggering amount of military personnel who have recently died at Fort Bragg under dubious circumstances, uh, other disturbing developments are at play as well, and inevitably they involve children. Surprise, surprise. 
Apparently, Fort Bragg has witnessed a rash of child pornography rape and murder during this same time frame. Gosh, isn't that a shocker? Can you give into that for us, Radix? Yes. Um, well, I will say right now, there isn't too much uh, information that we have on it. What we know um, is that right right now there are six different soldiers that are on trial for raping or killing young children then you have two others on child porn charges now this was in a a spate of a couple months so you have to wonder why is that happening and this short time frame in are is it are they connected like are they related were these people working together it, we don't have any answers yet. There's that Fort Bragg has provided no comment on oh, it's that. Report, it's reported at least once a year. You can go back and look through, um, uh, you know, recent news stories. You know, Bragg paratrooper convicted of making child porn. Fort Bragg soldier, you know, charged with child pornography 2017, Jesus. 2019, 2018. One Fort Bragg soldier fled to the, to the United Kingdom. Okay. What? Uh, it, 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 wow. is, it is a horrific thing that is occurring, you know, in numerous military bases with sex trafficking and the shooting of child pornography uh, and, 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 and killing uh, rape porn and murdering. Yes, it is happening uh, in numerous military bases across the United States of America. It has to be some sort of semi-organized or organized rings, maybe different rings. A lot of it is being participated by members of the elite. Of course, we know the allegations that were given about Colonel Michael Aquino uh, Mm -hmm. and his involvement in such uh, activities. Uh, So, you know, I, it's just, it's, something's rotten and something's going on and they're just throwing the, uh, the uh, low end offenders who definitely do need to be, uh, held accountable for their horrific actions, but it, you know they're they're throwing them out uh, in these stories that barely get national attention and just get right. pushed off to the side, uh, and then you know that that and and that's what's end up going on where this is you this this in my opinion would probably go up to uh, the top brass in Fort Bragg, uh, North Carolina. Not all of them know, but a lot of them probably know and are and are involved in these horrific crimes. Yeah. And, you know, it's strange that you have six of them on trial for this. And yet there's no information really that you can find on the specifics of the trials for each uh, person that is on trial for raping or killing a child at Fort Bragg. What you have are these little um, incident. Basically, they look like incident reports from Fort Bragg uh, that have a bunch of redactions in them. And they just announce that this is happening. But there's no ability to like track each case. There's they don't give you the details of no, uh, each no. specific incident, and it's like, okay, so there's no transparency here. There's zero accountability. Uh, there, it's handled internally. It seems. Yes, and there's not a lot of information. It's very hush hush even around here. Right. Uh, it barely makes the it barely makes the Federal Observer. It, bar- it bar- barely makes the. Um, the local uh, television stations. Yeah. Uh, you, you might get one report about it of an isolated, because they claim they're all isolated incidences uh, right. of, of, of these soldiers. Um, and it's, it's, it's just, uh, I, 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 
people around here know some weird thing is going on and get we're in a hub of child trafficking uh and human trafficking being on i-95 and it's it's horrific and abhorrent do not get me wrong but this it is known to people who live here that these horrific incidences are are going on um you know people talk about it you hear rumors uh uh you know you hear people discuss uh certain cases that they see in the news only briefly and um military is involved what else do i have to say i mean it's uh, i'm not i'm surprised that more information has not come to light uh because they keep trying to uh say that it's just these isolated incidences uh that are occurring within the military which you would have isolated incidences occur in any organization right but i think with the frequency and the amount of which it is occurring especially in fort bragg area it is just i don't even know what to say it's sickening and important disgusting and it's just being brushed under the rug yeah exactly um it's super weird uh again this is in a cup like within the span of just a few months so if there are six people six soldiers on trial for raping and killing children and two on trial for child pornography in just a couple months then how widespread is it you know of a problem if that's what's happening in just a couple months is that an, any indication of how frequently this is happening at Fort Bragg? That's insane. Yeah, it really is. You got anything to say? We're close. Uh, no, I mean, but yeah, it's um, definitely, I mean, it's a horrific situation. And I mean, <clears throat> uh, I can't say that I'm shocked by this. I mean, obviously I've looked at some of the trafficking uh, allegations involving Dying Corps, uh, the mm-hmm. private military mm-hmm. company, uh, you know, from the Balkans. I mean, obviously in the the case of a lot of the big PMCs, I mean, there is the kind of revolving door of the special operations community. So, I mean, it, you know, would not surprise me if this kind of thing has been going on now for uh, some time. I'm just surprised of how rife it is in the cover up of it that that it occurs of it is not yes. not so much as so rife per se, but the covering up of the rifeness of, of you know, of how prevalent it is but yet nothing is said about it at all, period, which we expect that, right? Like, I guess I'm not too terribly shocked about it, but at the same time, I'm still being from here and sadly knowing that these things are whispered about, you know, human trafficking, child trafficking, I-95, the hotels that are on 301, the military's involvement of such, uh, you know, military members frequent, frequenting uh, these hotels for underage prostitutes, and for sex trafficking right. prostitutes, uh, you know, and it's, 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 it's sad. You know, it I've is. actually had people that I know who have been caught up in sex trafficking that I grew up with um, on 301 and I-95. And some of them had tragically, sadly, they were drug addicts. You know, they, they disappeared and no one has been able to find them. Uh, and, you know, and, and they, they, you know, they would tell tells, you know, of, of um, them uh, having relations with uh, soldiers among many other people. Uh, you know, I mean, the soldiers lie in the strip clubs here, you know, Secrets Cabaret, 
You know, I mean, I, it's it's well known. It's reported in, in, in the news. You know, I, I, I myself have never been in the military. None of my family, except for my grandfather's drafted in World War II, uh, who left the Navy shortly after and became a pharmacist, uh, ha, you know, were in the military. But I have had friends growing up and people that I knew uh, that were uh, in the military uh, and that were stationed here at uh, uh, for brag, uh, you know, and, and they would tell me stories of just the drugs and the sex and the debauchery and the prostitutes and, 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 you know, and, 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 and stuff that they witnessed from other people or heard or stuff that they had sadly tragically witnessed themselves, you know, it's going on and, and, and it's happening around military bases throughout the United States and, and no one talks about it. It's a dark side of, of, of the service, a dark side of the military. And yes, not everyone who's in the military, not everyone who served uh, do these things, but it is something that is hush-hush and something that's not talked about. And not only is it happening in the United States, it's happening globally. Yeah, and there was a really strange incident tied to MK Ultra uh, from uh, 1954. Uh, this LSD researcher, um, Jolly West, who was tied to the CIA's MK Ultra program, um, potentially drugged and hypnotized a, a guy for, on an Air Force base, Lackland Air Force base, into raping and murdering a three-year-old little girl. So that happened. Um, yeah, seems a little bit weird, right? Now that we've outlined the situation at Fort Bragg, let's get into the fun part. Speculations about what could be behind it. So we've already gone into a lot of the stuff with the drugs and what have you. John, I know you've kind of sounded off about all this is being exaggerated, but is there some kind of possible gang struggle playing out in the special operations community? At I mean, there's I mean, there's some of it. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's it is known that there are numerous gangs within the military. Uh, yeah. That part is true. However, I would say a lot of those gangs are government sponsored. Sponsored, <laughs> and, you know, and put up by the military, the, the, the clandestine uh, intelligence organizations and of themselves, right, and law enforcement, you know, so it is what it is, I guess, you know, so yeah, do, you know, do I believe that, you know, that the military is ripe with gang activity? Of course, yeah. but I don't know if it's the central driving factor that the media and the military of themselves want to blame most of their ill proclivities on is oh it's just gangs and bad actors you know solitary bad actors where no a lot of this is generated and and, and caused by the military upper brass and the world order and of themselves and what they do both within the united states and how they operate globally so with you know both themselves and the ngos you mentioned dying core earlier you know uh, so, I mean, you have, uh, you know, Baku, Baku Bazi in Afghanistan, you know, we're close. Uh, and, and that was NGO, uh, pushed as sick as that is. So, you know, I, I'm not going to say that there are not gangs of various, uh, belief systems and ethnicity within the military that takes advantage of their status of the military to get military training to return back for gang warfare. That is true. And there are weapons that are quote unquote stolen in military service and funneled its way back into gangs, whether on purpose or not. 
What about the possibility of uh, gangs hiring um, special operators as mercenaries? I know there's that, been a that lot happens of too. Yes, that that, well. yeah, yeah, that happens as well. Yes, I'm not going to say that it doesn't either. Uh, 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 you know, so I mean, it, it 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 is what it is. You know, and a lot of it is it gangs hiring them, or are they told to do so by the upper brass or by intelligence or agencies that they will do this? You know, I, I it's murky. Yeah, it's, it's it's murky. Yeah, and, because I mean, know, again, it is an effective way for the military to infiltrate the gangs in turn as well. So, yep. yes, yeah, that's both another feed good off point. each other like an Ouroboros. You know? <laughs> that's so creepy. Yeah, I can see that, and I can see the sort of like, you know, how they sort of have it perhaps balkanized. I mean, you know, there are sort of. Um, I don't know how to word it, maybe white supremacist leaning, I don't know if you want to call it gangs or like groups within the military. And then you have other sort of like ethnic gangs as well. Mm -hmm. So it just seems very, um, very weird. We'll just say there could be the sort of like struggle taking place in that respect that, you know, you've got these different um, gang like type groups that are you know, all on the same turf and probably don't all get along. And then the drug aspect to it also seems to be a contributing factor to that. But again, though, it, like John said, you would not be getting these weird beheadings and some of the other unexplained uh, deaths. So it it can't account for everything. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, since the COVID vaccine was introduced, the military has witnessed skyrocketing medical issues within the services. But as with violent crime, it seems that Fort Bragg is being disproportionately affected by these developments in regards to other bases. So can you give us a bit of a rundown of this, Radix? Yeah, so this is the sort of speculation that has been going on with a lot of these deaths that have been deemed sort of like People, young men found unresponsive and dead in their barracks and in their bunks. Um, there's been uh, a lot of them. It, it, it got to the point where you had one dying per week uh, at Fort Bragg, which is incredibly high. That is uh, really, that's unprecedented as far as I know. Um, and so we're not being told how they're dying, but when you hear like a 19 year old man found dead unresponsive in his bunk and this is all starting seemingly around 2020 around the time we get the covid vaccine introduced there seems to be some kind of connection to that and then just the very weird part of like the bodies being in advanced states of decomposition i don't understand how that could happen and people wouldn't see it before it decomposed that badly you know, how could you not notice somebody dead in their bunk? So there's that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it seems like that there's military men um, that are dying between the ages of like 19 up into 30s, people that have no um, prior history of like any kind of illness that seem to be in perfectly good health, literally being found dead unresponsive and we're not even given really a cause of death we're told they're dying of like natural causes there's no way and then one every week that it's not possible 
So I think that there could definitely be some kind of connection to the COVID vaccine. Uh, I just, you know, I don't know for sure. We, we cannot say definitively that that is what is happening, but it certainly seems to be a connection. Oh, and it, it got to the point the the death started becoming so frequent um, and the number so uh, outrageous that Fort Bragg has now declared they are no longer going to be providing those numbers anymore. So we're not going to know how many more are dying each week, each year. They just decided we're not going to report the numbers anymore. I don't even know how that's possible, how they can just decide we're no longer going to tell you how many people are dying on our military bases and no one is preventing them from doing so. Really? How is that possible? And then we have the so-called suicides that, again, I don't know what this means, but uh, Fort Bragg had 83 so-called suicides in an 18-month period. Yeah, that's just staggering. It is. It's insane. And then you get no uh, explanation. So you you had these people just being found dead uh, in their barracks, 30 years old, 19 years old, 24 years old, 23 years old, no history of any kind of illnesses just found unresponsive and we're not going to tell you anything more about it john like what's your your take on the uh the covid component of all this and the vaccines i mean the what i some parts of the military took it more than others right and what didn't the green berets and special forces refuse it more than other branches of the military if i remember correctly yeah i believe so so, I mean, I, it's, I mean, I will say this, uh, the health care that is given to our veterans uh, when the, you know, when the military is done using them and they return from service is abhorrent. It is abhorrent and shameful. Um, as many uh, vets are out here around here while I live in Fayetteville uh, that have PTSD that live out on the streets. Uh, you know, my church uh, does a lot of trying to reach out to them uh, through public uh, ministry. Um, it's 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 very 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 sad. Um, so I guess speaking to health too as well and the skyrocketing medical issues within the services. Yes, the COVID vaccine uh, that many of these service uh, p- uh, people were forced to get. Um, did, you know, in my opinion, uh, definitely uh, made their health issues worse in many cases, not all of them, but, you know, probably, you know, I'm not a fan of, of, of either the mRNA or viral vector uh, vaccines. And I think they cause similar issues, if not worsening issues, uh, worsening issues than uh, COVID in and of itself, uh, especially with uh, possibly um, uh, am- amyloidosis, uh possible prion disorders that might show up in the next few years, uh, blood clotting and, and uh, mitochondrial uh, damage and uh, general inflammation and, and increased risk of Guillain-Barre syndrome. I mean, I could go on and on and talk about my issues with the vaccines, but I do think it played a role in numerous servicemen and even numerous people across the globe uh, becoming more ill with them getting their shots or their booster um, in the military and military, think about it. They get so many shots. I mean, look at the anthrax shot that they were given. That was causing a quite, uh, uh, numerous accounts of, of, of heart issues within the military. 
Uh, so, I mean, they already get more vaccines than the average person receives during their military service. They're also giving prophylactics like hydroxychloroquine, which can cause quinism. Maybe that's why Michael Flynn has gone so mad. <laughs> he's smart, but he's also crazy and he's also possessed. Uh, so, uh, you know, but, uh, but, you know, they're also given drugs like parastagamine, which may pro pro prophylactic. Uh, uh, during the Gulf War uh, to uh, nerve gas, which may have caused Gulf War syndrome. Um, you know, they're given uh, levo, uh, uh, fluoroquinolones like a, a levofloxin, which crossed the blood-brain barrier uh, and may have led to incidences of psychosis. Uh, some of this probably was driving uh, some of the uh, murders and, and murder-suicides has been rife in the military for decades. Uh, these uh, horrible pharmaceutical drugs, and not all drugs are bad when used in their proper context, but certain drugs uh, cause more issues than others. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the way that the military is treated uh, and, and being forced to take the COVID vaccine, like, why would you give your military uh, if they are, uh, uh, you know, one of your most important deterrents of so-called uh, global terrorism or uh, uh, other militaries across the globe? Uh, why would you give them an experimental vaccine? To me, that doesn't make any right. sense. It really yeah. doesn't. Does that make any sense? Oh. No, it, it doesn't. Let's um, get in into that then here. So, so for all of us who have followed the Special Operations Forces closely for years, all of us here, that is to say, so we know the Joint Special Operations Command, at least elements of it, had a close relationship with Trump and may have been a driving factor in getting him into office. Uh, also, interestingly, his last Secretary of Defense, uh, what was his name again, John? Uh, the one who oversaw the January 6th uh, fiasco, the one who was only a colonel, was it O'Brien? Miller. Miller, yes, yes. Miller, yes, yes. Christopher, yes. Miller, Christopher Miller, yeah. Yes, yes. He uh, allegedly was a, he was a Green Beret who had allegedly served in the uh, support intelligence support activity uh, at one point, which is very interesting. That's one of the uh, most secretive uh, intelligence branches in the entire national security state. But I digress. Uh, conversely, there have been rumblings that the special operations community has been one of the chief opponents of the vaccines we discussed earlier. Is this part of an ongoing struggle between the special operations community and the broader national security establishment or possibly the Biden administration? And are they are the uncomely high amounts of deaths at Fort Bragg kind of a payback for supporting Trump? What do you think, Radix? Um, I do think that there's an interesting uh, point to be made there because. Um, we know that when Biden kind of came in and took over, he he almost seemed to be like punishing parts of the military, right? Like he instituted this, uh, we're going to start rooting out who people that we deem extremists, right? Um, and go, you know, this sort of like, I don't know how to describe it, but it seems like going after people for thought crimes, right? Uh, which which had never happened before um, in the military. So it almost seemed like a, a covert way of saying, hey, we're, we, we're going to go after those of you who supported the previous guy and we're going to use the excuses, oh, you're an ex extremist to get rid of you. So there was that, right? Um, and then it seemed like, yeah, I don't know, the forcing of the vaccines um, perhaps uh, is a form of punishment, right? Like get in line, you know, um, it does yeah. seem very weird to me. And also, uh, just look at the, 
the Afghanistan pullout and sort of the fallout that happened from that, you had a lot of people in the military that were very, very unhappy with Biden and the way he handled that. Uh, there was one guy that was particularly outspoken about that, uh, Stuart Scheller, I think was his name, and they put him uh, in the brig. Uh, I think they tried to get him to undergo a psychiatric evaluation. Um, so it, there seems to be some weird stuff going on, and there does seem to be all, almost like factions within the military in different branches, uh, some that were very supportive of Joe Biden, perhaps even backed him, and then people who were very clearly against him and very clearly pro-Trump and seemingly working to assist him. You know, and let's not forget also that you had people that showed up on January 6th that were a part of the military, um, ex-special forces. You had PSYOPs people showing up. Um, there's a lot of weird stuff seemingly going on, uh, I guess, in, in the shadows. So it's definitely possible. John, what's your take on it? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people in the military uh, who uh, who support uh, Donald Trump, as misguided as that may be. Um, you know, I I, I I I know some people, <laughs> uh, you know, that 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 are that that are you know that are, that are friends that I you know grew up with in high school, you know, and and uh, you know it's. <sighs> Are they being punished? Yeah. Yeah, I could definitely see that to be the case. Um, either directly or indirectly. Uh, we know Austin, uh, Lloyd Austin, uh, seemed to have it in for anybody, you know, kind of yep. pushing them blankly of anybody who supported uh, Donald Trump or the Trump administration as being extremists, almost akin to, to the people that were there for the January 6th mix event, right? You know, and Lloyd Austin is extremely sketch as they come. Yeah. More monger. Uh, he was he was an 82nd Airborne, too, wasn't he? Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, was Stanley at the same time as Stan McChrystal. Well, yeah, kind of the other thing is, I mean, it's all these guys had the connections to Fort Bright, we should probably point out. But like, yeah, Lloyd Austin, uh, General Keith Kellogg, who was a big part of Trump's national security team throughout his administration. And who I don't know if you guys have seen those commercials. I think they're on amazon maybe or netflix it's like keith kellogg they hired him as a spokesman to support like uh facebook and oh uh, really yeah yeah uh, it's like against the push to like you know uh oh what was the amendment they're trying to pass now against them in congress um the data privacy collection or something like oh, that for the yeah, yeah, yeah. They're down to hiring Keith freaking. I mean, it's beautiful, man, in a way. But um, I couldn't write that. I could never couldn't write that. The boldness, yeah. the gravitas. Yeah, I know, I know. But Kellogg was a part of that whole milieu. Um, McChrystal was there. The Flynn brothers were there. Oh, McChrystal is so just. Uh. So, yeah, I mean, these guys all serve together. I mean, that's why I kind of wonder if Lloyd Austin is being pressured. But then conversely, who knows? I mean, there might also be some semblance of a corporate rivalry. I mean, Michael Flynn, of course, has had a lot of support from uh, Peter Thiel and Palantir. In fact, uh, he really derailed. So it's McChrystal. And McChrystal, I mean, but uh, Flynn, yeah. though, really uh, derailed uh, Raytheon's um, 
know, you know, their uh, their data mining technology that they were. It wasn't Lloyd Austin on the board of Raytheon. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like Flynn was the guy who really derailed Raytheon's hold on that and got Palantir, you know, uh, the contract, essentially, especially I think after Trump uh, got the presidency. And then the so Raytheon turns around and hires Lloyd Austin. So yeah, that's like what I'm kind of like wondering if maybe partly this is like a corporate rivalry that's playing out or something like that. McChrystal was very much involved in it too with Flynn. Uh Steven, I could send you the information on that. I discovered that when I was researching McChrystal in depth. Uh the whole McChrystal Palantir uh lobbying and stuff for the Trump administration. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. A lot yeah. a lot of that done was at the Hess McChrystal, actually. And Flynn was just secondary to that um so but yeah it's 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 doesn't none of this i mean these are all wicked 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 evil people yeah Uh, i mean it's you know i mean like i said this is definitely i think a component of it but i mean definitely palantir and raytheon have had this sort of ongoing rivalry for a while now and i mean you know other guys like mcmasters were also i think backers of palantir and the trump administration and now interestingly uh raytheon seems to put a lot of into getting biden in there and uh got a former employees the secretary of defense so god knows i mean if this is a factor i mean as absurd as it sounds i mean this is you know really the state that the country is in now where i mean the defense contractors i mean are you know having their own turf struggle more or less you guys want to say something interesting aside about lloyd austin real quick yeah he's a type of person that refers himself into third person what yeah oh my god i hate that lloyd does this lloyd does that no. So yeah, that's usually a sign of a very arrogant, and sketchy person. So it's like a person who quotes themselves. That's you so know, funny. someone who puts quotes on Instagram where they're like, "I say this," and then they they put their name down at the bottom. It's extremely cringy <laughs> and sketchy. It's akin to that. So. Oh my word. Oh, it's about part of the course for the latter stages of the empire. <laughs> yes uh, uh, Caligula days huh Steven? yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right so to wrap up let's go in a bit of a different direction and talk some super soldiers here ah. for years there have been rumblings of implants designer drugs and the like that would enhance the performances of elite troops China and France have even acknowledged that they are exploring the possibilities of biologically enhanced soldiers. Bold claims have been made, such as altering the DNA of troops. Is this already happening at Fort Bragg and possibly some of the other military institutions and are at least maybe some of the deaths a result of complications from this kind of technology? Uh, What's your take, Radix? That is a very interesting possibility because think about it the perfect way to do something like that sort of under the radar would be to use the covid vaccine as a cover for that right um just saying you know and i do think that this is happening by the way the super soldier type stuff with china i absolutely believe that's happening i do sort of believe that we are in I don't know what you could call a sort of cold war with China at the moment. Uh, It certainly seems like that is what's going on. Um, So it, it would not surprise me if they were doing these kinds of experiments. I mean, we know 
we know that they've done this in the past. So it certainly would not surprise me to see them trying to do something like this now. Um, you know, it's certainly not out of the realm of possibility. John, what are your thoughts on this? Definitely agree. Now, I'm going to give a little bit of anecdotal uh, response here. I used to work at the vitamin shop on Skybo Road or Skibo Road. It depends on who, where, you, where you're from, how you say it. But, you know, if you're down here from the south, you call it Skybo Road. Um, you know, I, even though it's S K I B O, uh, but I used to wear the vitamin shop there. And so, you know, I used to, 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 you know, a whole bunch of soldiers would come in all the time. And most of the soldiers would ask for creatine supplements for bulking or, or, or whey protein supplements. Uh, but they'd also were selling this very popular pre-workout supplement. Uh, and that was very big, uh, within, uh, the gym rats, in the military community, you know, you want your strong dose of caffeine and other herbal stimulants in the morning to get you going. So you're ready to exercise and you can push yourself above your limits with extra adrenaline flowing through your body. Uh, Cause so a lot of people don't realize that caffeine uh, though is a potent uh, stimulant uh, to some degree uh, as, as an adenosine uh, blocker. It's also uh, the world's most uh, popular uh, psychoactive drug. Uh, so, um, you know, a lot of them were coming in getting their, their pre-workout, uh, fixes and, uh, well, uh, a lot of soldiers, at least this is what they claim anyway, it was enough to actually, uh, make it so that we could no longer sell pre-workout supplements to soldiers. What? A lot of them supposedly, and I'm not going to say that this didn't happen in some isolated cases were, uh, taking pre-workout supplements and we're running and we're dropping dead. This is probably around 2012, 2015, around that time period. That's weird. Um, and, uh, and, uh, um, you know, and, and, I mean, if you did a whole night of drinking, you're super dehydrated and you, you pump a whole bunch of uh, pre-workout and get your heart rate up and a whole bunch of caffeine, uh, and some dubious herbs, uh, you know, you don't drink enough water, maybe just maybe you have a heat stroke, maybe just maybe you do die of a sudden cardiac death if you don't have enough magnesium. Yeah, that happens, but it was happening uh, frequent as much as um, uh, the reports of stuff that we talked about during uh, this episode of the farm, uh, you know, this evening. Uh, so I know I have nothing to link to anything that we just discussed about super soldiers or about uh enhancements being done or whatever i but i nonetheless find that to be very odd yeah all that we talked about tonight of soldiers dying weirdly right um with weird um uh, not necessarily not necessarily the murders per se like in the the advanced stages of yeah that that stuff you know, sudden With cardiac no cause of death, sudden and uh, un un uh, unavailable cause of death. They just, died just suddenly like and we don't know why. That just like some kind of like medical experimentation sudden, or sudden, something. Sudden, car- sudden cardiac death of twenty-year-old grunts. You know, yeah. not to say that it, that that would increase due to the jabs. Don't get me wrong, but like yeah, but not to that. Not extent. back then. You know, yeah, somebody was... had to blame it on pre-workout supplements and ban us from selling pre-workout supplements to soldiers. 
it is okay. very strange and you know if they're and the gym rats were weren't dying like that or having problems like that that came oh in. really so it's just one group of people so it was what's, just the soldiers yeah what's the difference there right like why would they why would the gym people be immune to like that that just doesn't make sense you know and then as far as the the sudden death um with like un undiscovered causes or whatever you want to say like they don't know what happened or how they died they just died suddenly um it the body's being in advanced stages of decomposition it's weird because you would think that that couldn't be possible unless it was accelerated you know like something was accelerating their decomposition because you have to consider they're in their bunk and with a group of other people in that same room their bunks are next to each other they don't have their own rooms as far as i know and even if they did like what are the odds that nobody would come upon this person and that they just be left there to decompose notice the smell of a rotting corpse yeah (laughs) and numerous numerous ones because this has happened uh, to at least what 40 people in a couple months No, there and then it was uh, up to one per week and then they just said we're not going to disclose the numbers anymore so now we have no idea that number could have increased we don't know it just seems very strange and you know as far as i know of the general population yeah there has been complications from the covid vaccines but I've read nothing about any kind of uh, advanced stages of decomposition, you know, or accelerated decomposition. It just seems very, very odd. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a very strange situation. I mean, especially on top of the, you know, I mean, the whole conflict in Ukraine. I mean, obviously, it's more or less like been openly acknowledged that the SAS is operating there. Uh, It's very likely that I mean, the Delta Force and some of the other, uh, you know, elite units are operating there already in some capacity. I mean, you almost like wonder, uh, because a lot of this was unfolding in the lead up to the Ukraine conflict. I mean, certainly, I imagine that they, uh, uh, they saw it coming uh you know is it at this point where they were like well guys i mean now that uh we're getting ready to finally square off against the russians uh we're going to start uh bringing out some of the experimental stuff and really see how it works in a real war so uh uh you're taking this crap whether you want it or not <laughs> yeah yeah yes true yeah and it, it is, you know, now we have the Russia-Ukraine stuff going on. Uh, who knows if something's going to happen with China? It just is very, we're in a weird position right now. I'll say that, you know, who like World War Three could kick off at any moment. So it, it just, yeah, it's very, all very strange. Well. I guess on that note, we will uh, sign off for now. Thank you guys for coming on again. It's uh, been a fascinating conversation. I mean, this whole thing with Fort Bragg is uh, 
it's a really crucial topic that's been flying under the radar and i mean that's partly by design with the uh the cover-up that really went into effect after the rolling stone article came out earlier this year yes uh, even though there were those of us in the alternative media that have been diligently covering this since 2020 that we haven't been acknowledged but i digress right <laughs> um but yes uh it's a it's an interesting one and probably something that's a lot more significant than we realize. I mean, you know, certainly the gang stuff and the drug stuff that's being uh, talked about by the media, as John has uh, spoken about at length, is just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. It's quite possible there is some very strange stuff at play here, and uh, hopefully at some point we will get answers to this, but uh, I certainly wouldn't hold our breaths here collectively on that one. <laughs> Well, on that note, as always, thank you guys for listening. And with that, we will sign off. Good night and good luck to you all.